Good morning. How are you doing? That was a good good morning on the first try. I like that. Good morning. Wow. I want to say this. Um, we serve a very, very intentional God. And you'll see in just a few moments how that worship set applies to what we're going to be learning today from the Word of God. It's just absolutely amazing. I want to say welcome to our LaGrange campus. It's always an honor to speak to both of our campuses here in Noonan and in LaGrange. Oh man, I, I genuinely thank God for you every time I think about you, LaGrange. You are incredibly faithful people, and I love you. And I am excited about what God is going to be teaching us today in the second week of our series, Yes and Amen, as we're looking at the promises of God. So I want to go ahead and jump right into this. Let's look at Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. It says this, Have you not known... Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray this morning. God Almighty, we call upon the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus by which we are saved. God, we draw our attention to you. God, I pray you would move me aside, that today, Lord, your words would be heard. God, give us ears to hear. God, soften our hearts. Lord, let every single one of us leave here changed today. We're excited to encounter you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so I want some crowd participation here, here at Noonan and in LaGrange. By a show of hands, how many of you hate waiting? For those of you who are not raising your hand, please come talk to me afterwards. I need you to teach me how to be patient in life. I need you to teach me those things like joy and all that stuff because I'll tell you what, I hate waiting. Waiting is one of the hardest things for me to do. How many of you have to have a cup of coffee immediately first thing in the morning? Okay. If that's you, you have a hard time waiting. Let me show you what you experience every single morning. Check out this picture. This is what you experience every single morning. Purgatory. All right? I saw this on Instagram. I was like, this is so good. I do not like coffee whatsoever. Everyone told me once I'd have kids, I'd like it. I still don't. But look at the definition of purgatory. This is so fitting, right? The anguish prolonged period spent waiting for a fresh pot of coffee to be ready. How many of you have experienced purgatory before? (laughs) I don't know what that feels like, uh, but I'm sure that if you love your coffee, you know what that means. All right, here's the next one. How many of you can't wait like normal anymore to red light? Every time you pull it to a red light, you pull out your cell phone. Quite a few of you can't wait like normal anymore. All right. How many of you, right when you get hungry, if you wait longer than like seven seconds, you instantly get hangry? We have someone standing up over here, LaGrange. There better be some of you raising your hands right now. Do you know that feeling you pull into Chick-fil-A and the line's like wrapped around the building and drive through line? You're like, Lord, give me patience. You get in the drive through line and you just, you start dreaming of, of that chicken that has been like touched by the fingertips of angels. And for some reason, that two minutes and seven seconds that you're actually in that line because they're so efficient seems like eternity. And the waiting is just so hard in that moment. Do you remember the first time you told someone I love you? 
was there a weird wait right after you said that? You say, I love you, all of a sudden you're waiting for a few seconds, like, and that is sometimes, even though it's a few short seconds and depending on the way they answered you, it's a few short seconds, but it's the longest wait in the world. Now, I have to be honest with you. Um, I'm not anywhere close to perfect whatsoever. I mess up all the time. And there is one story that is ingrained in my mind about waiting. When I was a student pastor here multiple years ago, uh, I got called into a meeting right when work was ending. And Lauren and I, we have a rule that, you know, a lot of times I might get called into a meeting. I might have to go somewhere at the last minute that I would either call her, I text her, I give her a heads up what's going on. Well, I totally forgot. I'm a dude. All right. And I go into this meeting and it just doesn't even, it was a very serious meeting, intense meeting, didn't even cross my mind. And I wasn't only 30 minutes late. I wasn't only an hour late. I was over two hours late leaving the office. So I remember walking out of the office. I'm dead serious. I remember this in my brain like it's a movie. I remember walking out of the office. I go to get my car and there's a car with their headlights on shining at my car. And I'm like, it's dark outside. I can't see it is. I'm like squint my eyes. This car slowly pulls up. Lauren has one arm hanging out the window and she's just staring at me. Man, how many of you have gotten that stare before? You know exactly what that stare means. She didn't say a word. She just slowly kept cruising by. Left. I'm like trying to call, pulling my phone out, trying to get her to answer. She won't answer. Long story short, we get home. I'm apologizing profusely. And she, <laughs> I remember she goes, I had waited so long. She like tried calling people, you know, like put a search committee out for me, whatever. She, and, and she said, the waiting caused my mind to go to terrible places. Do y'all know what that feels like? You're waiting for a report to come back from the doctor. You're waiting for that interview for your job. You're waiting to find out if you're going to be able to pay the bills. You're waiting to find out if you're pregnant. And in the waiting, sometimes our mind goes to so many different places. But the one thing about waiting is that I found out that, that God has quite the sense of humor. Because as I was looking through all the promises in the Bible, there are a lot of promises that are immediate, like salvation. Today, right now, in this moment, if you said, Jesus Christ, I want you to come to my life, be my Lord and Savior, forgive me of my sins, that's an immediate promise that you receive salvation from him. But there's also a lot of promises in the Bible that say, those that wait, and then it continues. It's a cause and effect. And I just had to laugh because I'm like, Lord, I know you want me to preach on this because I stink at it. I stink at waiting. And so that's what we're looking at today. It's how do we wait well on the promises of God? Because we're all in a season of waiting at one time or another. Whether you are waiting right now for some of those things I just listed off. We're all in a season of waiting. Every single one of us waiting for Jesus to return. That's a promise that he gave us. But how do we wait well in these times. You see, waiting is hard, no matter who you are. And, and why should we wait on God, and what does that even mean for us today? You see, we live in an instant gratification world, don't we? Everything is right at your fingertips. Take your phone, for example. If you want the answer, if you want the solution, if you want the product, it's right there. Just ask Siri, ask, ask Alexa. Go on Amazon, Google it. 
Everything is right there. But the Lord sometimes tells us to wait. Because why should we want instant gratification when we can have eternal gratification? There's a big difference. So as we're going through this today, that's going to be the shift that we must make in our mind. You see, we also struggle with waiting because a lot of times that means we aren't in control. And who doesn't like to be in control? But I know waiting can lead to a lot of tough questions. Like, does God even care about me? Does God even hear my prayers? Is God not answering me? Is God not fulfilling this promise right now because he's mad at me? Maybe all these tough questions stem from a lot of our attitude and our waiting. And waiting typically gets a negative meaning, doesn't it? We think of waiting, we think of late, we think of impatient, we think of the unknown, we think of worry, anxiety, all these different things that go along with waiting. Well, as we're in this series talking about the promises of God, we are going to learn and hopefully come to realize that God's credibility is not questioned in the waiting. Our faith is strengthened in the waiting. Did y'all hear that? God's credibility should never be questioned in the waiting. It should be our faith that is strengthened in the waiting. Because God always comes through every single time. Sometimes it's not on our timeline that we want, but it's on his timeline. And we got to understand that waiting is not a punishment. I've heard people say that before. I feel like God's punishing me. It's not a punishment. Waiting is part of our purpose. And we're going to see why here today. You know, God has been teaching me a lot over the past few years because I feel like the Lord has promised me things that I'm waiting on. Some of the verses that I've clinged to come from Psalm 27. 13 through 14 that say this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 41 through 2 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I love this part right here. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I waited patiently for the Lord. He heard my cry. He took me out of my situation. He helped me when I needed help. He guided me. He directed me. That's what our Lord wants to do. I know what you may be thinking, though. is like, okay, whoever wrote those verses right there probably never had to do any waiting in their life. Because who would want to write that? Wait patiently. Oh, great. Awesome. You know? It's tough to think like that. Actually, King David wrote these verses right here. So now you might be thinking, of course he wrote these verses. He was a king. What else does he need in life? Well, what I actually want us to do today is I want us to look at King David's life and the journey of waiting that he had to take to see the promises of God fulfilled in his life. Let's look at a quick timeline of King David. He was the youngest of all his brothers. He was a shepherd. He probably got stuck with all the jobs that nobody else wanted. At this time, the Israelites had cried out to God, said, give us a king. And so while David was a boy, there was a man named Saul who was appointed the king of Israel. But over a course of many events, Saul lost favor with the Lord. And the Lord told Samuel, Samuel's a man, he said, go find another king. I'm going to tell you who the king's supposed to be, and I want you to anoint this man to be king. So Samuel goes to David's house. And the dad brings all the brothers in, starting with the oldest. 
And Samuel's like, oh, this has got to be the dude, right? Nope. Goes through everybody. Is there anybody left? Well, there's David. He's the youngest. He's out in the field. Bring him in. One thing I love about our God is he told Samuel, he said, man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. He said, that's the man. So a lot of scholars and historians, I love the history behind things, and it's important for us to understand the context as we're going through the story. A lot of historians and scholars believe David was anointed king between the age of 10 and 15. How many of you have a child who's between the age of 10 and 15? Can you imagine someone coming and saying, guess what, you're going to be king? It would get nuts real quick, wouldn't it? But David didn't become king instantly, and that's what we're we'll looking at today. David had to wait for the promise. So what happens? There's some big things that happen in David's life. Between the age of 15 and 17, Israel is at war with the Philistines. David goes to see his brothers, and there's a huge giant that's taunting Israel and God. And David's like, who's going to do something about this? Nobody steps up. David's like, I'll do it. Long story short, David goes out there and kills a giant. Literally, a giant. A giant. Then Saul sees what amazing warrior he is and all these different things that David is good at. He makes him his armor bearer. Saul, the current king, makes David, who has been anointed king, his armor bearer. Then David grows in favor with the people, grows in favor with the Lord. And Saul gets jealous. He tries to kill David. And David has to flee for years and years and years running literally for his life. And then around the age of 30, David is finally anointed king over part of Israel, then about seven and a half years later over all of Israel. I believe we're working with an expert in waiting right here. At some point between 10 and 15, he's told, you are going to be king. A lot of us want the promises of God to happen instantly, right? Oh God, you told me this was going to happen. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and boom. Boom. But how do we wait well when it doesn't happen the next day? When it doesn't happen a week later? When it doesn't happen a month later or even a year later? How do we wait well? Here's what we can learn from King David, a man who understood the promises of God, who understood waiting, who understood hard times and disappointment. He understood heartache. Here's what we can learn. The first thing is this. We need to watch in the waiting If you're taking notes, write that down. We need to watch in the waiting. Now, what exactly does that mean? Let's look at Psalm 59.9. This is David writing. He says, you are my strength. I watch for you, for you are my fortress. I watch for you. Other versions use the word wait there, but I love that it uses the word watch. So now, to understand where we're going with this today... We need to truly understand the meaning of the word wait. What's the proper definition? Because our world understands it as, you know, lazy or late, the unknown, that anxiety, that worry. But how does the Bible define wait? Looking through all the different ways wait was used throughout the Bible, it means things like expectant, to trust in, to hope in, to be confident in, to rely on, to count on. One explanation of the word that I want us to really hone in today, and I love this, of wait is this, the expectant attitude of faith. How good is that? 
So when you read all these things about, oh, you're supposed to wait, you're supposed to wait, you shouldn't get a negative thought in your mind. You should get this positive thought of, I'm going to have an expectant attitude of faith. There's many key words right there. Expectant. Are we expectant for God to do something? Our attitude? Our attitude is important in everything we do. And then the faith centered around that. Every single one of us here today, at our Noonan campus and at our LaGrange campus, can take this understanding of this word wait and apply it to our lives. Are you expectant in your circumstances, in your suffering, in your worrying, in your hurting, in your needing, in your wanting? Do you feel helpless? Are you expectantly waiting with a good attitude because you have faith in our God? What I want us to do today is I want us to do something fun right here that I hope will help you understand this. Might, might really help it soak, soak in and you remember it. We're going to play a quick game, all right? So everybody give it up for my friend Collins. He's going to come out here today. This is my friend Collins. Just an incredible guy. And uh, Collins, I don't know if you know this or not, but I picked you to help me with this game because I know we share the same barber. And... Uh, that's going to that's gonna help with this cleanup process. So if you've never seen this game before, this game is called Pie Face. Okay? And what's going to happen here is, <laughs> is there's a little knob that we're going to... Wow. All right, Mary. <laughs> she made it so LaGrange could see it really well, everybody. What we're going to do right here, Collins, is you have to stick your face right here in this lovely cutout, and we're going to turn this knob. Now... This thing might smack you in the face on turn number one. It might smack you in the face on two. It might wait till ten. We're not sure when it's going to happen, all right? But we're talking about this idea of waiting and about how we should have this expectant attitude of faith. So are you pretty expectant right now that that's going to hit you at some point? Yes. How's your attitude about it? You do, I, I love whipped cream too, man. But we have faith that this is going to happen. All right, so let's try this. You notice I'm, I'm not the one doing this. I get to turn the knob. This is fun. All right, let's see if it happens on number one. Ready? Oh, it didn't happen on number one. It didn't happen on, but did everybody see his face? Did everybody see he was ready for it? And I know this is a silly game, but I'm hoping this is helping you understand what we're trying to learn today about waiting on the Lord. Is that sometimes the knob is clicked in our life and something bad happens. We're like, but God, you told me that this promise was coming. Let me ask you, are you doubting that this is going to happen because it didn't happen on try number one? No. No. It's a silly game. Why should we doubt God more than a silly game? Sometimes we're going to turn the knob of life and it's going to throw something at us. And we're going to be like, questioning God, why? Why in the world? Would this happen? I thought you told me this. And God's saying, just wait. Just wait. Be patient. All right, Collins, you ready? Now I'm excited. You see how excited all you are? You're all laughing. You're all taking pictures. You're all looking at what's going on saying, when is this going to happen? What if we waited on God like this? Oh, yeah. Now it's getting really interesting. (laughs) but God, I've waited for a long time. I keep trusting you. He hadn't moved. God, I haven't moved in this process. When is this going to happen? 
There it goes. <laughs> Collins, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. <laughs> Y'all are going to go home today and be like, man, I learned that whipped cream can hit you in the face. All right? Hopefully, as silly as that was, you take home the idea that, listen, my waiting needs to change from my doubting. My waiting needs to change from my worrying to my waiting needs to be this expectant attitude of faith. When we do stuff like this, we never doubt if it's going to happen. That's part of the process, right? It's supposed to not go on the first time. It's supposed to not go on the second time. But for some reason, when we get with the Lord, the Lord tells us he's going to do something in our life, and we want that immediate gratification when God says, guess what? I know the entire plan. I want you to have eternal gratification. Are we patient with the Lord? Do we trust him even when it doesn't seem to work in our eyes? The first time. You see, we should constantly be watching for God's promises to come true. Are you watching with that excitement? Are you waiting on the Lord? Are your spiritual senses heightened like Collins? You saw how much he was holding on to, he was smiling, he was squinting. He, he didn't know it was going to hit him. I want that type of excitement in my life. Now listen, I know it can be easy to watch for the Lord for a day, maybe two days, maybe pushing it a week. But I know it's not easy when it turns into a month and a year and even multiple years. And I know some of your stories in this room. And I know that you've been waiting on the Lord for promises he's given you, some of you, for multiple years. This is when our faith is really tested. Are you willing to keep watching the Lord when the enemy tells you to give up? When your friends tell you to give up? When your mind tells you to give up? Are you willing to keep your eyes on the Lord? You see, our willingness to watch for the Lord will show how strong our faith is. Watching will show if we believe the Lord is who he says he really is and will do what he says he's really going to do. I want to watch with that unmatched excitement to where day one, you know, when God tells me something, I'm going to be like, God, I'm so excited, I can't wait. Day two, I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm ready whenever you want to do this. A week later, I'm like, God, I'm still trusting you. A month later, God, I'm tired. But one thing I know is you have never let me down. So I'm going to continue to have an expectant attitude of faith. And I trust you. David waited for years and years and years, and God came through on every single one of his promises. You see, God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. I want to be a promise seeker and a promise seer. To see the promise, I first must not put my eyes on the promise. I must put my eyes on the Lord. That's what we get to do in our waiting. I'm, hope, I'm hoping this is resonating with you today. Because I'm sure every single one of you at both of our campuses have waited for something in your life or you're in a season of waiting right now. If you're not, you're about to be waiting for something. I can go ahead and tell you that. Hopefully this is resonating with you. So today, let all of us commit that we're going to be looking for the promises of God. We're going to be watching. We're going to be keeping our eyes on him. We're going to keep our eyes on him for the promises in our marriage, for the promises with our children, for the promises when we go to school, for the promises when we pull into work this week. Like, God, I know I'm going to keep my eyes on you because you have given me these promises. Watching with that type of expectancy will show that you are prepared for the promise. Do you hear that? 
What if we put heaven on alert with how expectant we were? Watching with expectancy will show heaven that you are ready and prepared for the promise. Look at Psalm 5.3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. This is still King David talking here. He's saying, God, I'm going to wait expectantly. Growing up, I played a lot of sports. And tell me if you ever heard this one before. Watch the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. I think my dad's voice, my coach's voice is ingrained in my memory when I hear that, you know, hearing that. Watch the ball. Keep your eye on the ball. We have a very slim chance of hitting the ball or catching the ball, whatever it may be, if we're not looking. So many times in life, we feel like this waiting is a game and something clicks to where it doesn't feel like it goes our way and we quit watching. Never take your eyes off of Jesus because he is the promise maker and he will be the promise keeper. When we keep our eyes on Jesus, he's saying, guess what? Do you trust me? Is your hope in me? Are you confident in me? I'm taking you through this process for a purpose so you can reach the promise. A lot of us just want the promise instantly when God says, guess what? This entire process, this entire plan to reach the the promise is for you. How are we willing to wait for the Lord? Number two, so we have watching the promise. Number two is work in the waiting. When we decide to wait on God, it might not immediately change our circumstances, but it changes our priorities. It changes our perspective and our attitude, and it challenges our faith. You know, think about the story of David. When he was anointed king, he didn't see that as an opportunity to be lazy. He didn't go find the biggest chair in his house, sit down and say, brothers, guess what? I'm anointed king. Serve me. David was anointed king and saw this as an opportunity to work for the Lord. How are you working for the Lord in your waiting? He was empowered by the promise to wait well. So what did David do after he was anointed king? He continued being a shepherd. Do you know how hard this would be to be anointed king and to go back and be a shepherd in your waiting? But also see this in another way. Imagine you go into work tomorrow. Your boss comes up to you and says, listen, the board had a meeting. We decided that we want you to be the president of the company one day. We're not exactly sure when, but it's going to happen. See, I think that you could have actually a different shift in your thinking to where that energizes you. Your level of leadership is up because you have a prize, you have an end goal that you're looking towards, and you know that this whole plan and this whole process is so you can achieve the promise. I think you go in. You do as good as you can. Be like, man, I want to serve. I want to get ready. Because sometimes there's a season of preparation before you receive the promise. How is the Lord preparing you right now? Are you in a season of preparation so that you're ready for the promise? When we work for the Lord, when we serve Him in our waiting, we're preparing ourselves for what He wants to do. 
As humans, we have a tendency to, to want God to work his promise for us. When we should also change that thinking around when we should want to work for God because of his promise to us. See, God's not just up there just whittling away on making every promise happen for you and me. He's also working on you and me. We're part of this in it as well. See, God does not give us promises so we can feel glorified. God gives us promises so he can be glorified. I'm not saying that our working is going to bring the promise about at a, at a faster rate. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the Lord who made the promise is going to keep the promise. And we get to be on the journey towards the promise. How are you working for the Lord while he is working for you? Just like David, we need to wait and see waiting as an opportunity to work on our heart and work for the Lord. And we need to remind ourselves daily that God is working in our waiting just as much as he is working in the promise. A lot of times we see the promise as, man, that's how God worked in my life, right? Let that sink in for a second. When what if you just didn't see that one moment as the promise being fulfilled, that's the moment God worked in my life, that if you saw the entire thing, this is how God worked in my life. That's what God is wanting to do. The last one is this. So, so far we have watch in the waiting, work in the waiting. The last one is worship in the waiting. Worship should be a response, a reflection of our heart. To be able to worship in the waiting, we first must understand that God is not only working the plan of the promise, but he's also working on the position of your heart. Did you hear that? God is always working the plan of the promise, but he's working on the position of your heart. Even though we may be waiting right now, we should never doubt that God has a plan for the promise. It's not an empty promise that he is giving us. We just must understand that we are part of that plan. We talked about the definition of waiting as having that expectant attitude of faith. You see, the attitude of our heart while waiting is what shapes our perspective for how we wait on the promise. It turns our worry to worship. It turns our fear into faith. It turns our impatience to praise. It turns God, you're late, to God, you're right on time. Think about that. Sometimes we look at our watch like God is late. God looks at his watch, he's always right on time. That's the mindset that we have to have. That God, it may be tomorrow, it may be next week, it may be next month, it may be next year. But whenever you decide to do it, God, you are sovereign and you are almighty. You are going to be right on time. That's the God I worship. That I know he holds everything in the palm of his hand. That he has a purpose and a plan for every single one of us. Looking at David's life, we see that he had to wait for a lot from the Lord. David began worshiping God in an early age, and even all the circumstances he had to go through didn't change that. Over 70 of the Psalms in the book of Psalms are written by David. And what Psalms are, those are songs or, or poems that show the heart of worship of who David really was. Look at Psalm 145, 13, and then 21. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. My mouth will speak and praise the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. 
This psalm right here, Psalm 145, is thought to be written by David in his old age. This was a psalm of reflection of how God had proven himself over and over and over again. So I love how David defines God right there as trustworthy. Remember that one of the definitions of waiting that David described was to put trust in. David is worshiping God in this moment because after all of his waiting, he saw God come through on his promises. This is a key lesson we can learn from David. In your waiting, worship God. Remind yourself of what God has already done in your life. Remind yourself of who he is. God, I'm waiting right now, but Lord, you have saved me. You have rescued me from my sin. God, I'm waiting right now, but you answered my prayer about my addiction years ago. God, I'm waiting right now, but look at how you've answered all these different things in my past. God never changes. He is who he says he is. And he's going to keep his promises. I know your season of waiting right now might be painful. It might even be tough. But we can't forget what God has done in our past. God's track record alone for, for fulfilling his promises is reason enough that we should worship him. His track record alone is reason enough. Remember that David wrote, I waited patiently for you. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. This is why David could worship, because he kept looking back at his life saying, God, this is what you've done for me. I cannot deny it. What has God done for you that you can remind yourself of right now? Listen to this. God's provision, God's provision will prompt you to worship while you're waiting for the promise. God's provision will always prompt you to worship while you're waiting for the promise. Worshiping God in the waiting, and I, you know, as, as we're believing in these promises, as we're waiting, even when it gets tough, even when so many different scenarios of life are thrown at us, we cannot waver, but we must trust the Lord. You see, David was on, like we said, was on the run for his life for years and years and years. All these different scenarios. He didn't question God in the waiting. I feel like I would have. Take, for example, one of these scenarios. David was a harp player for Saul. Saul found out David played the harp and was like, listen, bring him in, because Saul dealt with this evil spirit that would come over him. And when David played the harp, it would soothe him. And so David would come into the presence of Saul and play the harp. One time while he's playing the harp, Saul's sitting with a spear. He tries to kill David with the spear. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was David, I would probably have a conversation with the Lord. Lord, I don't get it. You anointed me to be king when I was a little boy. You had me kill a giant for you and your people. Lord, you made me the armor bearer beside the man that I'm supposed to replace. You had me come and play the harp for him, and he just tried to kill me. God, do you know how hard this is to wait? I feel like I'm living more in a problem than living in a promise. That may be the position you're in today where you feel like you're living more for a problem than you are for a promise. But never let your problems in life overshadow the promise of our God. Because there is a purpose in your waiting. God has you in this season for a reason. And he's going to take you from waiting to worshiping, from waiting to watching, from waiting to working. Because he has a purpose and a plan for every single one of you. That's who our God is. So how do we respond to God in these moments? It's by worshiping him. David 
ran for his life from Saul and continued to worship. I want you to ask yourself today at both of our campuses, are you watching with expectancy for God to do something? Do you believe he can do it? Are you working for the Lord? Are you serving him? Are you honoring him through your life while you wait? And then are you worshiping God in your waiting? You see, maybe you're here today and you're hearing about all these promises of Jesus for the first time. Maybe you're hearing about him for the 100th time, whatever it may be. Maybe the word promise leaves a bad taste in your mouth because you were promised in a marriage that you would stay together no matter what. Because you were promised by a doctor that they'd be able to heal you. Because you were promised by a friend that they would never hurt you. Maybe the word promise leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Maybe you've been promising yourself to change your life. Let today, let today be the day that you are changed by the promises of God. There's a lot of promises in the Bible. And one of those promises is that we only have one life to live here on this earth. We're also promised eternity, every single one of us. But that eternity is either going to be in heaven or in hell. And this is where the promise of salvation plays the biggest part, the biggest role in your life of anything there is. As Jesus came to this earth and he made a promise, he fulfilled a promise by dying on the cross for your sins and mine, for our mistakes. Our sins are what separate us from God. But Jesus came and said, I want to fulfill the promise because I want all of these people to have an opportunity that they would make a decision to spend eternity with me. That's how much God loves us. If God is willing to come through on the promise of dying on the cross for your sins and my sins, God is going to come through on every single one of the promises in this book right here. Every single one of the promises that he whispers to you at nighttime when you're doubting. Every single one of the promises that he tells you is going to come true. That's where that verse that says every promise of the Lord is a yes and an amen. That's who our God is. So if you're in here today and you're like, man, all I've ever had in my life is people not come through on their promises. God wants to come through on a promise right now for you. The question is, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior? Another promise we find in the Bible is Romans 10, 9. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise. You will be saved if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he came and died for you. He took your sins and he rose again to life. Listen to this amazing promise. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I told you we're all in a season of waiting for the Lord to come back, right? Why hasn't he yet? He's not slow in coming back, as some understand it. He's being patient. Because if you haven't asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life yet, he wants to see you do that. Because he doesn't want to see you live this life in hell, separated from him. Let today be the day you claim the promises of God in your life. Let's pray.